0: The Guardian.
1: Well, I suppose it's that time again. I'm Matt Wells, and welcome to a special media talk looking back on some of the best and all of the
2: worst bits of 2010. It's time that Sky pulled its weight by investing much, much more
3: in British talent and British content. Big Brother is dead. It is about whether this House will be supine when its members' phones are hacked, or whether it will take action when the democratic rights of MPs to do their job without illegal let, hindrance, or interception has been produced. I am Stuart Baggs, the brand. I'm confident, I'm unique, and I'm successful.
0: The BBC Trust has rejected the BBC's plans to close six
1: music. What is the most single damning revelation? What is the thing that is
4: easily capturable? Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Daybreak. First
2: up, after the news, we're going to be talking to Jeremy Hunt, uh, Hunt the culture secretary, about
1: <coughs> broadband language coming up we'll discuss b sky b and the license fee ifnix and six music phone hacking and a controversial sacking or two all that plus christine bleakley and getting wikileaky i'm matt wells and this is your super sore away end of the year special of media talk from the Guardian. Hello Media Talkers, it's our final show of the year, uh, but put away your hankies because we have an absolute cracker in store, uh, it says here. In the pod to help me make sense of a year of cutbacks, reverse ferrets, super injunctions and media exec musical chairs, I've got the Guardian's Head of Media and Technology, Dan Saber. How are you, Dan? Uh, well,
2: I'm very well, and you? Uh, are
1: you? I'm very good. I hear you've hot-footed it from a Christmas lunch.
2: Right, I, I have indeed. We're all just feeling nice
1: and festive. Excellent. Actually. Also here is a very special guest, uh, the winner of the first series of X Factor, Steve Brookstein. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, what was that, Producer Ben? Oh, my mistake. It's the next best thing. The media journalist without portfolio, Stephen Brooke. All right. Thank yes. you. Thank Hello, you. Stephen. Um, excellent. Now, if the show's already sounding a bit too uh, blokey, don't worry. Uh, Guardian.co.uk's TV editor, Vicky Frost, will be joining us soon. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, let's start with a good old bit of media policy. Now, you may have noticed there's a new government in town. Jeremy Hunt and the Conservatives have wasted little time in laying down the framework for a brave new world. The licence fee has been frozen for six years after some behind-closed-doors negotiations, while Rupert Murdoch's news corporation has begun proceedings for a full takeover of B, -B, which we hear the EU is due to rule on as early as next week. So, Dan, uh, let's start with you. It's been a year um, in which we can characterise things for the BBC
2: as being a year of pretty savage cuts, or at least uh, a turning point. Yeah, I don't think it's as bad as it could have been, though. And I think what's interesting about this year is it began – you know, the year began in the pre-election period with the expectation, obviously, of a Conservative absolute majority and a real shake-up for the Beeb probably – some sort of scrapping or big change for the BBC Trust, and something savage could well be round the corner in terms of the licence fee, top slicing, maybe even subscription. Exactly. There was the pre-election bargain, or what have you, with the Murdochs and, and the Sun, was suddenly supporting the Conservatives in full throat. What happened, obviously, was we got qualified. We got a qualified election result. We got a culture secretary who found he couldn't quite make the radical changes that you talk about in opposition because government's just a bit more muddy, uh, and so he couldn't quite get rid of the trust and i think a pretty wily mark thompson who recognised that actually the beeb's best interests are served by trying to find you know to do a cut and run quick license fee deal even at the cost of it being held flat, that was a deal that he knew government could live with, and it was a deal that government were prepared to take
1: um, earlier in the year, Stephen, before all that started swirling around was the, all the sort of fallout from the uh, Jonathan Ross and his six million pound a year salary. Do you think the BBC has managed to put all that behind it this year?
3: If I was Mark Thompson, I would feel I think pretty happy going into this Christmas season. If we look at what the BBC was being attacked over for most of the past three or four years, he seems to have solved a lot of those problems. So overpaid stars, tick, they're gone. Uh, senior executives who with massive pensions, tick. Mark Byford, gone. Jaina Bennett, tick, off to BBC Worldwide. Troublesome BBC One controller Jay Hunt, tick. She's off, being replaced by the much more cautious Danny Cohen. He has... Uh, got the BBC licence fee and that is settled. And I can remember back to the old settlement when... um Labour were impound. There's talk that the licence fee might not be even be continuing for this round, but he's got that you know status quo will remain, and cost cuts for sure, but the BBC's actually expanded. It's got uh, SC4 to look after, and it's got the World Service as well.
1: Uh, so, in terms of, of media policy, then uh, you reckon, both of you reckon that the, that the BBC have come out of things uh, doing pretty well. Um, as for ITV uh, in in broadcasting land, it's sort of been a bit of a standstill year. Would you would you say there's not been- uh,
2: I think ITV sort of can, should count its blessings. Actually, it sort of had a, uh, a quite a decent 2010 in the sense that the focus has been on the Beeb, the focus has been on Sky and News Corp. And ITV's not been in the firing line. It's got a new chief executive. No one's asked too many questions about Adam Crozier's strategy. It's not obvious how developed it is, but no one's given him a hard time. The ad market's bounced back. The big shows, X Factor, of course, but Cory two have got, if anything, bigger. So on the face of it, all the sort of strategic problems that I think remain for ITV have been sort of quite a little bit obscured this year. Uh, and uh, ITV's enjoyed a sort of year of grace. Has it used that time wisely? I'm not so sure about that. Still got problems in production. Still do depend- too dependent on advertising. Still not really big enough compared to Sky or the Beep.
1: Um, and Sky is the other, as uh, Dan uh, was saying, Stephen is the other area in which um, me- on, in which media policy has been concentrated on. But it's a year of sort of uncertainty, isn't it? Because uh, we had the announcement earlier in the year that that B wanted to, to uh, sorry, that Rupert Mur- Mur- Murdoch News Corporation wanted to take full control of uh b sky b which they own just under 40 percent of uh, around that and and no decision yet so it's sort of been you know the, 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 i guess the most interesting bit of it was the coalition of opposition uh, to it from everything from the bbc and channel 4 to all, all the newspapers
3: yeah which was quite loud but i didn't sort of get the sense that they were at the barricades in a kind of les miserables moment uh it has been a bit of wait and see on that and are we going to see very powerful forces of opposition to this deal unleashed next year after the European Commissioners have their say and Ofcom apparently told, you know, apparently said to News Corp and Sky, here are the sort of list of people's objections and we want you quick smart to sort of tell us how you're going to answer them. Ofcom report, I think due by the end of the year, someone's going to be working very hard over the holiday season. Uh, And, you know, I, I just think that, well... I'm not going to stick my neck out, Mm. but News Corp tend to get what they want, don't they?
1: Yeah, Dan, I mean, this is going to be the big story in 2011, I think, isn't it? The big media policy story, certainly at the start of the year. Yes.
2: Look, if I was going to bet I think this deal will go through, I think this deal will be allowed to go through and it will go through. Actually, the harder question might be in News Corp finding a price that the Skyboard will wear. That said, I think it's been quite a sort of bruising encounter for the Murdochs. I think in two ways. One, it's made them. There's been a lot more opposition raised to this than they might have expected. They're a lot less popular in the kind of media industry and more broadly than they might have than perhaps they might have thought. And I think rivals are beginning to think uh, rivals of all stripes, from the Telegraph Media Group to Trinity Mirror to even the Guardian Media Group and uh, and DMGT, very different companies, all begin sort of fearful of the murdochs and you have to wonder that that creates an interesting dynamic perhaps one that will lead to consolidation i don't know but but something interesting has emerged You're listening to Media Talk with Matt Wells. (laughs) That's made my day. Let's take a detour
1: to the print industry, where it's been a funny 12 months, to say the least. Uh, Lord knows we've talked about the Times paywall enough on this podcast, but I I guess that was the biggest news in terms of digital innovation in 2010. Elsewhere, the news of the world, phone hacking and scandal, has refused to go away, while Julian Assange has been wiki-leaking all over the place, leading to the first high-profile use of Twitter uh, to report from inside a British courtroom, uh, amongst other things. Meanwhile, Fleet Street's most fascinating proprietor, Alexander Lebedev bought the London Evening Standard, uh, quickly turning it into a free sheet. And a few months later, he launched a spin-off uh, of The Independent, which he rather unhelpfully called I. 2010 uh, has also seen media lawyers and Max Clifford doing very good business indeed, out of celebrities and footballers' latest weapon of choice, the super injunction. Um, Stephen Brooke, obviously you've been far too quiet so far. Press was your, uh, was your beat when you were a reporter at Media Guardian. Um, how would you sum up the year on what we used to call Fleet Street?
3: I think that we've seen some interesting experiments and, you know, people are planting seeds and planting markers and putting a toe in the water in various ways to answer the age-old question, which I've been reporting on ever since I got here in 2004, how do you make decent money out of the internet? Answer is still TBA. But I think that uh, News Corp have had a go with the paywall and everybody is just sitting back and planning their strategies and waiting to see how it all plays out we can compare and contrast the other big format change if we like which newspapers have uh, had over the past five years which was going compact which happens much more quickly after the initial success that the independent had um here you know the basic questions are still really unanswered
1: yeah and uh, dan i think that it's uh, it's it's been a year of sort of you know, um, incremental change, um, hasn't it, with, with, with a few people trying out different things here and there and waiting to see what happens?
2: I think there's a lack of certainty and consensus. Actually, it's interesting, um, Stephen, just taking us back down memory lane to the launch of the compact. And yes. When I was at the Times, Robert Thompson talked about what a profound decision it was and how it protected the future of the Times and the perception was the Telegraph would have to follow. And five years on, the Indy is selling, what, 90,000 uh, copies in the UK. There's a lot of bulk, so the number's higher. Times hasn't really developed much. The Telegraph doesn't feel the need to change. The the great innovation that was doesn't seem to be the game-changer. I wonder if that would be the same about the paywall where... Uh, yes the times have made some interesting inroads i think it's case not proven whether it's worked or not mm. Fifty thousand subscribers it's okay but they're not paying a lot so the question is you know what would be really interesting will anybody follow now there was some suggestion the telegraph may and and the guardian
1: uh, has although it's ruled out charging for the desktop clearly uh, charging for utility
2: iphone and ipad apps i'm not it doesn't sound to me like the telegraph are going to charge uh, okay. at least they're very cautious about it i mean i think the really interesting story next year is will and it looks like the Telegraph are the ones who who may or may not, whether they will follow in the paywall. That will be an interesting moment. And clearly the other thing that's going to be interesting is can anyone make a success of these iPad apps?
1: Yeah, because, uh, I, mean, I mean, Rupert Murdoch said, said that the iPad app is, is the big, uh, I hate this word, but he, he used it, a uh, game changer. So, uh, Stephen, do you, do you think he's right? Or do you think, again, you know, wait and
3: see on this? Well, I think a lot of people like me, that they aren't too... Uh, fussed about paying to look at a newspaper website, but they're quite happy to pay for an iPhone or an iPad app. Hmm. You'll notice that in the magazine industry, loads of people are out left, right and centre, BBC Good Food, The Economist, Reader's Digest. Magazines are cock-a-hoop about the iPad, aren't they? Yeah, because they find it a great way to embed video and, you know, if you get the BBC Good Food iPad app, you can learn to cook lasagna. With the iPad propped up in the kitchen, and there's video demonstration, and then you expand the step-by-step menu guide. And
1: I see you've—I I sense you have experience in this. Have you
3: mastered the art yet? Well, I've had a demonstration, but my right. problem is, I get so filthy when I'm cooking that I wouldn't want a beautiful iPad to be anywhere <laughs> near me yeah. in the kitchen. So I don't know how you solve that conundrum. But you know, there's a expectation, there's experimentation. What we don't have at this point in time are results.
1: No, exactly. Um, Now, about three years ago, um, Emily Bell, uh, RIP, uh, predicted in this podcast that at least one national daily would fold in the next year. Uh, That was 2008. I mean, it
3: wasn't, it was more than at least one, wasn't it? She predicted carnage. Yes,
1: it didn't happen. And uh, do you think, uh, Dan, what do you think about the sort of financial stability, viability of, of
2: our current crop of. Uh, news organisations. I, I don't think she's wrong about carnage. The, the reason I think newspaper a newspaper won't fold is just the simple reason that nobody ever wants to give up. There's mm. always another, as Alexander Lebvedev showed, there's always another proprietor, there's always another buyer, there's always someone else willing to roll the dice. And I think for that reason, I, I, I think it's very hard
3: to conceive of anyone closing the obvious target as the Indian, it's just been saved. And there's uh, always a national newspaper around that will be losing money, and that was in good times and bad. I, I think the financial
2: prognosis for next year is really tough, newsprint prices are rising okay, the the, the economy bounced back, display advertising bounced back can it continue into next year? Doubt it. Um, We see what's happening in the kind of recruitment market public sector cutbacks we kind of all know the narrative. It feels to me like this is going to be another you know another tough year particularly mm. for the quality end of the press where there are too many players in the market but no sign of any of them going i think for papers, the tableau papers picture's a bit brighter these are fundamentally profitable newspapers and i think
3: there's sort of a long way to go before that changes yeah, i right. think the market's really going to miss government advertising
2: yeah
1: that's that, that, that certainly too L- let's have a quick quick run around the big sort of press type stories um, phone hacking wikileaks super injunctions those sorts of things it looks like and andy gilson's got got away with it on uh, on phone hacking at least for this year steve
3: yeah i think so he's uh he's off the hook if you like uh what i've always thought about this is even uh, the police o- and the dpp obviously not that exercise with investigating further now we have to wait for these celebrities who feel that they've had been a victim of phone hacking to launch their own individual prosecutions and what gets thrown up by all those cases
1: yeah. and um, and in fact we've got news coming already for um for, uh, from the that particular end of the story this week, with documents coming out from Sienna Miller's um, uh, action against against the News of the World, the latest one shows that, uh, or apparently shows that, more people at the News of the World, other than Clive Goodman, knew about knew about it. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, well, what'll be interesting how that about goes. that is: yeah.
3: do we go to a trial, or will there be a settlement?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, well, to, 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 talking about courts, super injunctions were the big story the early early part of the year. Seem to have gone, gone gone away a bit, down as an issue. Do we know
2: if they've got a? Do we know this is the thing we don't I mean, know? How do? many super injunctions are there out there? I mean, I, I mean, I look—they're not completely hopeless. I, I know of one super injunction, which is, which you know, if I were to explain to you why before we all shot ourselves and all the listeners, I'm sorry about this, guys, but if I explained to you why, you'd all go, "Oh, that's perfectly reasonable." I, right. underst- I understand that. We but- know all about your, be- your 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 behavior, Dan. <laughs> we, you, don't, you don't need to conceal it. <laughs> tells so, right. us. Now, I, I've got my lawyers on this, but <laughs> look—it's it, obvious what the problem is. I think the. I think the newspapers, I think the, the Daily Mail for example has become particularly adept at just sort of noting the existence of super injunctions yeah. and saying that it's a footballer or some such. So I think the press has begun to fight back with a moderate amount of success against this and I think there's some sort of growing perception that this is an issue. We've got an awful long way to go I think before this battle is over but one feels that the tide has turned a little. Mm. Um, what's your position What's your position on Wik- Wikileaks? Have they,
1: are they a w- high watermark or, or um, a Watershed, perhaps we should say in in um, journalism, I mean is nothing sacred, is nothing safe, and will news, will news organizations print print anything now I mean it's quite extraordinary the, the, the amount of detail that, that, that we were
2: um, that we were shown wasn't it I, I, I think Wiki, there's a couple of interesting things about Wikileaks one of those is that, so the nature of electronic databases means that when they leak they don't it's not sort of ten bits of paper and a file when they leak you know hundreds of thousands what in the case of Wikileaks quarter of a million documents mm. emerge so when you get a leak like that as you did with the MP's expenses you get a treasure trove of information and we've now seen this model emerge that was set by the telegraph quite brilliantly where you sort of publish every day for two weeks to sort of draw the story out so that that I think is sort of changing the nature of the game
1: and it's also interesting the way in which news organisations responded you know, because you know the, um, uh, there were a number of news organisations around the world which were involved in preparations of the stories b- before they were um, uh, an advance notice of the stories before they were pu- they were published and it was interesting that the Guardian built a whole kind of data, searchable database in order to, to interrogate the database themselves so y- your journalist um, tools have changed haven't they to to uh, enable
2: enable us to to meaningfully report these stories. I, I think this is what they call the rise of data journalism and yeah. I, I, I think this is quite an interesting subject because you know, I mean for example you know public bodies is producing sort of endless sort of annual reports and documents and so forth. If you're able to sort of index some of the information you, you, they produce you might find some interesting stories and comparatives and there's a whole lot of examples I think of what is, uh, what is the changing trend. One more thing about WikiLeaks I just yeah. wanted to raise is also interesting and I think is uh <laughs> Uh, you, you know, show some sort of hypocrisy around the issue. It, it's really interesting how Julian Assange has become the sort of focus point for for, polit- for for critics' ire and attention in a way. And the five newspapers have got off relatively lightly. And this that's is I, that's really, really interesting. interesting. A very you bizarre set yes. of affairs. Yeah, I,
1: you would have thought, thought that people would, would have gone after the press, but maybe it's because it was quite diffuse and because it wasn't just one paper. It was it was four or five around the, uh, around the world, and there was difficulty in focusing attention, perhaps. But
2: uh, but I don't, I don't know whether that's the that that's the real the, the real real reason. I think he's he's certainly WikiLeaks is an easy target. The, the, the site may get taken down. Who knows what happened to Julian? The concept is is, is with us now. I think, and we will see more of these big data dumps emerging over the next few years.
1: I, I seem to, note it, to have noticed. That it may not be true, but it's that there is a um, seems to be a continuity of pronunciation of Julian Assange on the uh, on on the on the BBC. They seem to have gone for Julian Assange, but you're an Australian.
3: Well, Steven, yeah, and so is, is Julian. This the,
1: is this the, exactly, this is why I'm asking, is this the accurate, is this the accurate <laughs> Well, think about Julian,
3: Is not merely is he an Australian, but he's a Queenslander, right. which is even more ochre to, uh, than the rest of the country. Do what? does What's that mean? Ocker means Aussie. Oh, OK. Uh, and I think um, I'd be pronouncing it Julian Assange.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that, that sounds like the, uh, the, the correct pronunciation guys. You should uh, offer that to the BBC. Um, OK, thank you very much. Uh, there's more on all of these stories, of course, um, through our own searchable database, which is marvellous, on MediaGuardian.co.uk. Uh, we're going to catch our breath here on the pod. Uh, and in the meantime, here's something we prepared for you a little earlier. It's John Plunkett and his review of the radio industry.
4: Not off.
3: BBC Six News.
4: 2010 will always be remembered as the year when six music was about to be shut down and then it was saved
0: having my hand a piece of paper with the results of the report so i'm just going to read this out now and that's going to be it okay the BBC Trust has rejected the BBC's plans to close Six Music. It was an unprecedented in campaign, really, online on Facebook and Twitter you, uh, that the prompted the BBC Trust
4: the um, to tell management and that, in fact, uh, Six Music should survive. And it went from being a station that um, the BBC didn't want um, to being a station that is now a central plank of their digital radio strategy. But in the end, it turned out to be uh, one of the greatest marketing tricks they could ever pull off, because uh, all the publicity that was generated meant um, that listeners went through the roof, and uh, in fact, they hit the roof, and now they've gone through the roof.
1: Good morning, friends, and thanks for tuning in to the, the Big 11th Battle of for January
4: listeners this year has been between two BBC jocks. It's been Chris Evans on Radio Two, who took English over Jeff from uh, Terry Wogan from at the start of the year, and of course, everyone's favourite Radio One breakfast DJ, uh, Chris Moyles. Now Moyles thought that uh, Wogan going would be his big chance to become the number one breakfast show. But unfortunately, or possibly fortunately, depending on how you look at Moyles, it didn't work out like that and Evans piled on an extra million listeners and suddenly we all thought, well, Wogan wasn't that popular after all. Since then, well, he's lost a million listeners, which isn't exactly a disaster when you've still got eight million left, but um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens next year and um, the rumour is that um, Moyles will go from Radio 1 next year, possibly to Capital, possibly elsewhere. And it's not just that Evans has got a bigger audience than uh, Moyles, it turns out that Evans probably gets paid on time, which uh, Moyles famously revealed that he he didn't in the middle of the year uh, with an extraordinary on-air rant, which is uh, certainly, uh, well, Moyers has is, uh, is, is not been afraid of making headlines over the last few years, but I think this is uh, right up there with the best of them.
3: And I was texting my agent last night. I'm so angry because they've
2: put me in this position where now I have to choose whether or not I go to work. They come about to pay me. Why should I come in? It's a two-way street. Mm. It's a huge lack of respect to me and a massive
4: F.U. to me. As well as Evans and Moyles, Something I think All Eyes station. will also be on uh, on Radio 4 when it comes to the BBC, where there's a, a new controller in the form of Gwyneth Williams, who took over from uh, Mark Damazar, who went to uh, went off to head an Oxford College, and we've not heard a lot from from Gwyneth so far, and if there's one criticism of Radio 4, it's that it's all a bit one-paced, and uh, there also might be a few succession issues possibly today, where um, John Humphreys, despite the fact that we'd all like him to possibly, and he probably wants to, can't go on forever, so uh, where's the next generation of Today presenters going to come from, and, uh, and will it be a woman on digital and online this is bbc radio five live over on five live it's been a year of transition we saw simon mayo go over to uh, to radio two uh, and richard bacon take over the afternoon slot i think richard uh, i think richard's done a, a pretty good job uh, he's got a very different style to simon mayo but i think he's he's made it his own and brought enough of that uh, that late night style and manner he had uh, to the daytime slot
3: why aren't you properly moving to manchester when the station moves Because in essence it's to do with family issues, it's to do with teenage children and education and that, as for so many people, is a very complicated issue and you've got timings there that just don't work in terms of that particular move without having a very difficult impact on family.
1: When did you change your mind?
4: A lot of the debate has been about which presenters is going to go and which of the presenters are going to stay in London and uh, also famously, of course, the controller, uh, Adrian Van Claveren. There's been much debate about Van Claveren and whether he will go to Salford, whether he wouldn't, and, of course, whether he should. And Van Claveren's uh, been very keen to defend his decision not to go to Salford. And uh, uh, he gave an interview, which was one of the more memorable uh, media exchanges of, uh, of 2010, when he was when he was interviewed by uh, his own presenter, Victoria Derbyshire, on Five Live. And he insisted that he hadn't made a U-turn and that he hadn't promised in the interview, which got him the job, that he'd be going to Salford. Big name, big game, radio, talk sport. Away from the BBC and the land of commercials radio: The big success story has been TalkSport, which, as well as pinching some of the BBC's live Premier League football rights, it powered to its biggest ever audience of nearly 3 million listeners in the third quarter of this year. Uh, and I think that'll be one of the, uh, the big battles for next year, whether it can take more of Five Live's listeners and, and build on that success so far this year. No, no, a digital radio. All the stations are listed by name, so it's really easy. Plus, she'll be able to find her favourite station at the end of It's not easy to make predictions about 2011, but there's yep. one uh, cast-iron guarantee day. that I will uh, uh, bet my do lunch do money on, 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 is that oh, this time next okay. year we will still be talking about digital audio broadcasting and the, uh, the tricky path towards um, digital radio switchover. It was um, penciled in, in a very, very light uh, 4B, uh, or is that 4H pencil, for 2015, but it seems apparent that that's not going to happen, maybe 2017, maybe 2020, maybe beyond. Uh, But the first hump the industry's got to get over is who's going to pay for the rollout of um, DAB transmitters, which could be 100 million, could be 200 million. Commercial radio aren't keen. The BBC hasn't yet got the money in the latest license fee settlement. So we're hopeful that might happen by the spring. But it seems uh, other issues such as um, better content, uh, in-car listening, all those issues can't really be tackled until uh, the whole country uh, knows it's going to get DAB within a sort of limited and uh, reliable time scale. So that's that's the next big challenge. But um, hopefully we'll be further down the line. But when are we going to get 50% of listening on digital? I don't know. Several years to come, I'm sure.
1: Let's move on to television. Uh, staying in has become firmly established as the new going out, so it's no surprise that we're starting to see some big, big numbers when it comes to uh, viewing figures uh, again. Uh, ITV had two monster hits with X Factor and I'm a Celebrity, both of which pulled in audiences uh, in excess of uh, 10 million, uh, and it had some uh, critical acclaim too, long awaited, with Danton Abbey, uh, while Anne Whittakam made sure Strictly Come Dancing was worth watching on BBC One. Over on Channel 4, Big Brother was finally taking off life support, uh, but its next big thing... Or the thing was that was meant to be its next big thing 7 days failed to capture anyone's imagination. Uh, Richard Desmond stepped in where no one else would and bought Channel 5 and then sacked just about everyone working there. So uh, no great surprise. Uh, we've been joined for this uh, part of the show by Guardian.co.uk's TV editor Vicky Frost. Uh, w- what a treat. Hello Vicky. Hello. Um Vicky it hasn't just been about Simon Cowell and Reality TV on ITV has uh, uh, has it? Uh, I mentioned Downton Abbey that was a bit of that was a bit of a masterstroke for uh, Peter Fincham costume drama on ITV.
0: Yeah, lovely. Eh? Mm. Really kept uh, caught everyone's imagination, I thought, and obviously benefited from going straight after the X Factor.
1: So you had that nice well, you Sunday wouldn't have thought, evening I, It's thing. really interesting, I thought, that because you wouldn't have thought that, 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 that the, the audience would naturally follow.
0: Well, I think there's probably quite a lot of parents watching with kids. Oh. So you, you do the X Factor show and then the kids go to bed and you watch Downton Abbey. I think maybe people just love Sunday night costume drama and the BBC haven't been doing it so much. So there was a gap.
1: Yeah, uh, but uh, I, I'm I'm trying to think. Did did it just sort of go out of fashion, and ITV just, you know, thought that but that we would that they would do it, better. I can't. I'm not struggling to work out what it was about Danton Abbey that that made it so good. Julian Fellows. Oh, right. I mean, it was the script. I think.
0: Um, I mean, uh, great casting, obviously, but kind of a bit more wit about it. I think than sort of your average kind of BBC One costume drama on a Sunday night.
1: Uh, still, the X Factor was the big hit for uh, for Variety TV, and it, n- it never left the front pages, did it, in, in the whole run? <laughs> no,
0: <started>. never. <laughs> <It went on laughs> a bit weary. and on, very weary of it. Um, I, I sort of think it kind of became this huge monster this year, and, and I do wonder whether it can really match that again next year, to be honest. It was so huge, wasn't it, mm. the whole... For the whole of autumn, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Hmm.
1: Um, uh, Cory turned fifty. There was Louis Spence, uh, and there was the only way is Essex, of course, for Friday uh, uh, TV. Daybreak, absolute stinker, though. Um, I mean, it's been Dan. I mean, you, you said you, you said it earlier on. I, I, you know, ITV have had uh, they've rediscovered their creative juices, haven't they? I think the, the, those, you know, Daybreak, notwithstanding. Uh,
2: yeah, I think Daybreak's the exception. I think they've rediscovered some of them, and you're, you're clearly seeing that. You know, Peter Fincham, I think, is the sort of you know, top show picker and the kind of – he has the the respect and kudos with the talent. So I think he's the guy, you know, he's the best guy of his generation. And if anyone can sort of turn it around, Peter can. But there's still an awfully long way to go. The schedule's still pretty predictable. It's still built on soaps during the week. You know, not enough interesting offerings at 9 o'clock. They run out of money at half – you know, they're, they're out of money at half 10. Is the news at 10 still working for them? I mm. mean, is, do they really have to fight that battle?
1: There's a lot of things not quite right. glad we've got Dan Sabah to bring us back to when uh, <laughs> we're enthusing about ITV.
3: Interesting, though, um, that we have spent the majority of the segment talking about ITV1, which I suggest well, in the past, in past we would not have, no, we, which shows that they're doing something right. So
1: BBC, so just to, just to move on, should, uh, well, what should we say about BBC? Sherlock and Doctor Who have been, you know, been pretty big this year. Yeah. New, new Doctor introduced successfully. And Sherlock, probably the best drama of the year.
0: Oh, by far, I think, the best drama of the year. And even better because it slightly came out of nowhere and people thought, what's this doing on in the middle of the summer and is it going to be rubbish? And then it turned out to be brilliant. Mm. I think um, getting on on BBC Four, that's sort of been another great thing. Let's hope they give that a third
1: series. That would be nice to
0: see. Also, I think interesting, Miranda is this phenomenon. I
1: love Miranda.
0: I love her. I love her.
1: I think it's just, it, it, we, we have talked about it on this podcast, uh, uh, I seem to remember, about three weeks ago. Um, but it is interesting that, that such a, what what appears to be on the face of it, a traditional sitcom, but actually is a very modern sitcom with lots of knowing winks to traditional sitcom, isn't it? It has been mm. so successful. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. But, I mean, it still is quite slapstick. It's still quite fall over. Yeah. It's hilarious. I love her. She's just got funny bones properly.
1: Yeah.
0: Lovely, funny... Feel good kind of stuff. Although I thought last night's episode was a bit
1: not very good. In fact. Yeah, no, this just this, 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 yeah, one, a one scene thing. That it was work. terrible.
0: It was like one sketch that yeah. went on for a whole half hour. But apart
1: from that. She's allowed one. Yeah,
0: we love her. And uh, she's been a star <laughs> of the season, I think.
1: One sketch that goes on for about half well, an hour. I bit, was... a bit like this podcast, isn't it? Uh, what, Miranda,
3: well, I haven't watched an episode because obviously yeah. it clashes with Only Connect. So Right. But I'm just watching it... Only Connect? Only oh, is, quiz? Is, is, the, is the, is BBC is four the quiz? letters quiz on BBC4. It's a four. posh quiz. It's <laughs> a posh quiz. Yeah, but I'm not is, posh, is, is obviously. Victoria, is Victoria on, on it? Yes, yeah, she is. She's right. the worst bit about it. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Anyway. Um, no, but I don't think we should be surprised that traditional formats, whether they be sitcoms or soaps or talent contests, succeed, because Britain is a very traditional com- country. Mm. Uh, well,
1: uh, uh, elsewhere on BBC, well, uh, we're, we're the Apprentice uh, is on, uh, still on at the moment. It's been rather special this year. Danny Cohen, new controller of BBC One. Safe pair of hands, um, uh, 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 do you think, Dan, than Jay Hunt?
2: Mm, I think Jay Hunt, Jay Hunt had a reputation for sort of rubbing people up the wrong way. And, I mean, everyone's been blamed for the departure of Adrian and Christine. Um, but we can blame Jay or Jaina Bennett or somebody. But I don't think Jay helped in that mix. What Danny's got is Danny's really good with talent. I mean, he's the one who talk lily allen into hosting a show the only problem was the show wasn't very good (laughs) yes i was just gonna say so that's the bit that's the bit i'm worried about but but but, you know danny has got that you know danny's got that skill and if talent handling is not part of the job at bbc one i don't know what is well Mm.
3: jay had the reputation as being a bit of a meddler didn't she because she you know fiddled with the format of the one show a bit disastrously she fiddled with the strictly format also disastrously she fiddled with the country fire format and turned it into a hit well, she I moved love the she, she well, <laughs> did you we, we've got that uh, tribunal well, yes. decision well, tri- still to My, come butcher of the tribunal. Yeah. Her submission I thought was just a manifesto for dumbing down because yeah. you couldn't have reporters on Countryfile anymore, you had to have stars. Who immerse themselves in the experience. Yes,
1: well, I, 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 the, Matt, Matt, what's his name can immerse themselves in anything, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, no, uh, she's off to medal at Channel Four. Um, well, uh, see. Channel
3: Four needs someone like that. I don't think BBC One does.
1: Right. So, but it's not been such good news at, at, at Channel Four, uh, uh, Vicky, this this year. Not, uh, not, not much in the way of hits.
0: No, I don't think so. I was thinking about this before I came in, and not only, you know, is there sort of not been a great deal that's been really brilliant. I, I don't think that looks like there's going to be an awful lot that's going to be brilliant certainly in the first half of the year i'm not particularly seeing what might be the standout hits for them so i think there possibly needs to be an injection of something
1: Yes, not not quite sure what it is well, uh, um, I'm, I'm trying, I'm really struggling to think of I mean there's been those E4 things like Misfits and
0: Oh, Misfits is fantastic You like that But I think it, oh yeah, I think it's the drama of the year, possibly
1: I t- Oh, that's interesting It's been I, the, around, that's the second series Declaration yeah. of Interest, my sister is the PR for it So not that I, so I, I have to say I've never watched it They so. had a million pound drop That created a that bit of
4: excitement fun. Oh, fun. Fun. that was a
3: little of Toss though,
2: Wasn't it I thought it was quite fun But it was an ITV show That happened to be On Channel 4 I think Yeah I remember. Did
3: anyone actually Ever win anything In the end on that show well, We'd have
2: to ask That's a good question
1: I
3: think the, what I do like we're t- 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 Talking about trashy game games shows
1: Is the Cube I'm pointing at me The Cube I like <laughs> It's an ITV We've stopped talking about ITV But I like the Cube <laughs> but, uh, uh,
2: um, I, I was just going to no. Sort of pick up Highlight Any Human Heart As an example Of something yes. Channel 4 really went for it They put it out On Sunday night and nobody expects to watch drama on Channel 4 Sunday night and they didn't do very well. No. And, and, and I think it sums up a little bit of a... They've had a bit of a frustrating run, I think, where they've not been able to come up with any new hits. I think yeah. Million Pound Drop is the exception, That's which I've quite enjoyed, but it's not obviously a Channel 4 show. So you've been thumbing through your copy
1: of the Radio Times, haven't you? what uh,
0: It's changed to me at all times.
1: F- f- fingering the TV shows. <laughs> what, uh, what, what have we got to look, at, look up for?
0: sadly not masses i'm not over excited about christmas
3: doctor who christmas special
0: doctor who christmas special. which you have seen i have seen how many stars are you giving it well i really liked it um i think it's quite grown up though and it was interesting um we did a blog about it and there was someone saying they were in the preview audience with their small kids and because there weren't any traditional doctor who monsters their kids weren't that interested and I slightly wonder whether that might be Don't the care problem about with the kids, it. Frankly. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who for kids, really. <laughs> um, so there aren't Daleks, there aren't Cybermen. So there's not that sort of traditional thing. It's beautifully written. Michael Gambon is. Well, he's, he's Michael Gamble and he's fantastic hmm. in it
1: Upstairs, Downstairs is the other one Which, he, which yeah. there is a, pre- a preview screening of which he, But you haven't seen it, you haven't been to it yet
0: No, I'm a- seeing at it the time tonight of podding, yes. yes, I'm afraid, so I haven't seen it yet
1: uh, And anything else that we should look out for?
0: Sky has its little Christmas crackers Which it did last year as well And they're just lovely, shorts They're sort of 10-15 minutes um, And they get some quite big names doing them And they're really charming and there should be more things like that on TV. And it's, you know, I know Sky gets quite a lot of, it doesn't do enough of its own programming, etc., etc. And th- I think this is an area where it's really pioneering and it's really very good and the quality is good.
3: And the only way is Essex Christmas special. There isn't a Christmas special, is There, there? is a Christmas special. <laughs> and I, have to, I had to laugh. Heat's double issue Christmas special. You open it up, they've got a double page spread. The only way is Essex cast dressed as the characters from Downton Abbey.
1: Well, there we are. On on, on that cultural note, uh, we'll leave that there. Um, uh, That is almost it. Before before we go, I'm going to ask some uh, quick questions uh, about the media industry. uh, And Brookie, Dan and Vicky, I want some seriously speculative and uh, as ill informed as you like uh, uh, predictions. Uh, Important business first. Vicky, who's going to win The Apprentice? Is it going to be Stuart Baggs?
0: No, he's obviously not in with a chance, but I, I would kind of love it if, if he and all his ponies did win The Apprentice. But I think it will be Stella, And I would like to say now at this point on the very first episode on our very first episode live blog, if you go back and look at it in the comments, there's me saying Stella should win this.
1: Uh, oh really? Really So, and so yeah Well that, that's, that's possible um, uh, Will X Factor Matt be number one Do you think uh, At Christmas Dan Or will Cage Against the Machine Is it Cage Against the Is that
2: what they're called the, the, Yeah it is What the silent people yeah. Actually, I haven't rung up the charts people But I feel like that the, um, the the rebellion is not going to work this year In fact I mm-hmm. think John. I saw John Morton Who was behind the Rage Against the Machine Rebellion last year Sort of saying uh, In a letter to the Evening Standard That sort of the battle was over And you know uh, he wasn't too fa- he wasn't too fast this time around. So I just I think the kind of the sort of the unique set of circumstances aren't around, and we all love Matt Cardle. Oh no we don't hit.
1: No, boring we don't. Oh, rubbish I can't, it's been the, it was the most boring x factor final ever
0: it was so. unbelievably dull and oh. it went on for such a long time i just thought i was losing the will to live huh? by the end
1: of it, it wasn't it, was it, was it it that were fun wasn't more boring take than, that, than take that away. <laughs> it was hilarious. somebody said it might even have been um, live, live blogger comments saying, saying that they, open, they, they opened their fridge and found take that performing inside <laughs> they were everywhere <laughs> weren't they there yeah. had
0: two songs on strictly on Saturday and Sunday, and then there were two songs on X Factor. I mean, they have a, a very good agent,
1: obviously. Yeah, clearly.
2: British uh, culture's been reduced to one band, yeah.
3: That, it so has. So What is
1: Jonathan Ross going to do in 2011, do you think?
3: Well, I thought he might be popping up on Britain's Got Talent as mm. a judge, but I see that there's... he's, oh, he's Michael McIntyre and, yeah, And The Hoff, which is a bit of a sort Dicubus. of wacky casting. What well, he's going to have his chat show, isn't he? And... Is that going to be a success or have we all had enough of Jonathan Ross He's
2: doing the French it do- on the borders near this French television channel Which has just launched And
3: He's yeah. going to be a bit sort of behind the scenes yeah. More media mogul Do you think, I me- think. Yeah possibly I, I'm predicting, do you, want, do you want to know my, my prediction yes, I'd please. love to
1: Julian Assange as a guest presenter on Have I Got News For You I think that would be quite good He's got the, he's got the looks Thank you. Doesn't have the accent though. Doesn't have the accent. No, that's true. Uh, he's got he's a funny by, odd accent, doesn't he?
2: video phone from H and
1: M. video. from <laughs> phone from Stockholm. Probably the way it's going. Yes. Uh, l- l- there you go. That, uh, that's it for our review of uh, 2010. Um, if you want to leave your feedback, head to the blog at guardian. dot co. slash mediatalk. All the Twitter and Facebook links uh, are there too. Thank you very much, Dan Saber, uh, Stephen Brook, and Vicky Frost. Hope you have a very good Christmas. Had you? Did I? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your enthusiasm. Um, so generous. Yes. Uh, and also, of course, thanks to John Plunkett, Maggie Brown, James Robinson, Jane Martinson, Steve Ackerman, Janine Gibson and Paul Robinson for all their various bits of uh, wit and wisdom over the year, too. Honourable mentions to Steve Busfield and Emily Bell. Pastures new. Uh, well, unless something massive happens, frankly, we'll be back in business on January the 13th. So uh, until then, have uh, yourselves a very happy and healthy New Year. And thank you for downloading us and this helping to establish us as the 16th most popular news show. On iTunes. Do you, do you want to know who's at number 23? Yes. Hewlett and his media show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Happy
4: have, Christmas. That <laughs> <was coming. laughs> well, I'm
1: Steve. Yeah, media Talk is produced by Ben Green. Uh, I'm Matt wales Thanks for listening. Goodbye.
0: For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.